welcome to the Reunion Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me on the show tonight, we have Sam. Hello. And Chris. I am here. And it I'm is Chris. Uh, both our, a happy hour podcast for us this week and our 50th podcast ever. So we're celebrating that by just talking about the Emmys, How I Met Your Mother, and Chris's flagging faith in humanity. That's, that's just an ongoing discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just, we here at the podcast have been trying to break Chris down for a while. Um, so we like to periodically check in and see how your spirit's doing. Well, you make me review How I Met Your Mother, so you're doing well. You're doing real well, buddy. <laughs> and we will, we will give you space on the podcast to, to air that, those grievances in just a bit here. Although, from your review, which, listeners, you can check out at reviewbename.com, um, it seems like you liked the episode more than I did, so we'll have some things to discuss. Okay. Um, before we do How I Met Your Mother, though, because I imagine that there are... Actually, I can't imagine anyone out there not wanting to be spoiled about last night's episode, but on the off chance there are, we should probably start with the Emmys. Um. Sure. So why don't we start with those? What did you think of them, Sam? Well, we're going to talk about the broadcast itself, like the show of the Emmys, or are we going to talk about the awards? Well, we're going to talk so about both. Why don't we start about the broadcast itself? All right. Well, Neil Patrick Harris, as everybody knows, was hosting this year, and he's kind of like the go-to host now. And I was kind of disappointed. I thought his opening monologue thing, where he kind of brought out a lot of the old hosts, uh, kind of fell flat or didn't really work for me. Um, even though it was kind of cool to see like everybody who's hosted in the last, I don't know, six years or so. <laughs> or I don't know if it's everyone who's hosted in the last six years, but it's definitely been former hosts. Um and, you know, he had the required singing and dancing show number. And there was a lot of, like, weird dance breaks that I didn't I didn't really find particularly interesting. Um, and I, as a show itself, I wasn't particularly entertained. And also part of the problem is I feel like you, you got to be really strong with the lead, with the, like, the opening monologue part of the show, because nowadays that there's, like, so much crammed into one of these shows, it's not just awards, you kind of got to, like, put your best comedic foot forward with that, and I don't think it really worked, because for the rest of the night, he kind of had to be relegated to, like, one-liner, and here's the people I was making a joke about, and that's kind of all we got, so... You know, Patrick Harris is good, I think he's better for the uh, hosting, like, the Tonys, where... You know, it makes sense, like, logically to have, you know, act breaks that are, like, singing and dancing showstopper numbers. That's, like, in line with the Tonys, which is about Broadway and singing and dancing. And that's all well and good. But it's, like, I don't need to see, like, an interpretive dance of, you know, Mad Men in the middle of the show. And I don't need, as great as Elton John is, I don't need an Elton John break. And I don't need a Carrie Underwood break. I... I feel like th- that time could have been spent better. And especially if what I heard is that Jack Klugman was bumped from one of their memorial speeches. And if he was bumped and they couldn't cut Carrie Underwood or they couldn't cut one of the interpretive dance numbers is upsetting and disrespectful and not, not a great job by the Emmys. Fair enough. Chris, what did you think of the telecast? Um, I, I didn't love it, but I think I had a bit of a more positive view of it than Sam did. Um, I didn't really find um, a lot of... I, I wasn't really bothered that much by a lot of the dance numbers. I even uh, kind of enjoyed the middle one, the big one for... I mean, there were some odd choices in there. I think the Breaking Bad 
part of that number was a little weird, but like for the most part, I kind of liked the creepy set design that they employed for some of those, and the costuming was kind of cool, and it just had like kind of sort of like a very creepy kind of showy vibe, and really kind of broke up the show for me, which was fine because like I had to settle in for three hours anyway, so I didn't mind seeing something a little different. Um, everybody could have done without the Carrie Underwood performance. I think that's something we can universally agree on. Um, on this, all Americans can agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, in general, though, I, I actually felt like the show did move along at maybe a bit of a better clip than past Emmys um, broadcasts that we've livecasted. I, I seem to remember in past years just um, sort of just like screaming into the void on our uh, live blog after maybe like hour one and a half, whereas this year it wasn't quite as bad. I mean, it's like it's, it's very hard to hold my attention for an entire awards show, but I thought that um, while none of the bits really stood out, none of them... They, they, enough of them were okay that it, it kept things moving along well enough. And I, I actually really did like the in memoriams they did. I thought all the ones that we got to were very heartfelt. Um, there was a much more personal touch than, um, I mean, you did get the, the whole montage later, but the individual ones were, I think, very well done. Um, so all in all, I, I thought the telecast was fine. I, I agree, MPH could have been funnier, but I'll never really fault a host for not quite knocking out of the park on an awards show because very few can do it. So as long as they didn't bomb, I think they're doing fine. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll agree. I would, I would say I fall more on the Chris side of this uh, debate, if we can call it that. Um, I didn't think MPH knocked it out of the park, but I think the hosts rarely do that. Um... And I thought he did a pretty good job. I, I wasn't upset by his song and dance number because like every host who hosts anything does a song and dance number these days. Um, so I don't think that they necessarily need to be relegated to the Tonys per se. Um, I liked I liked the individual in memoriams. I could have done, I agree. I'll agree that as much as I love Elton John, I probably could have done without uh, Elton John performance that had nothing to do with television um, or a Carrie Underwood performance that seemed to be connected to television only insofar as both the Beatles and like JFK's assassination yeah. were how about, on TV. How about Don Cheadle? How, TV. Remember the JFK assassination? That was on TV. <laughs> Remember the Beatles? The most famous television show ever? <laughs> the Beatles. Let's honor music and American history on the Emmys with Carrie Underwood. It was just like thing after thing that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. We're going to have an act break showing about like the choreography of the number we're about to see. Did we need that? Um, I think I would say that cool, good for you, MPH, to, to let the choreographers have their day. Um, but it did take up a lot of the show that I didn't necessarily need. And some of the choreography worked for me. Some of it, like the Breaking Bad choreography. It's like, if you're going to do choreography for the show, you got to try a little bit harder than we have boxes that have like chemistry symbols on them. Yeah, no, I agree that that was lazy. But some of the other stuff, like, I mean, I don't watch American Horror Story, but I thought the American Horror Story part of it was kind of cool. Yeah, and I don't, I don't mind the putting on a show stuff, but I do wish it had been a little bit more television focused as a whole. If I was, I, the thing is, like, I don't mind the song and dance number in the middle of this. I mind that it's, I feel like, at the expense of if this night's really about honoring the best of television, that it was done at the expense of other things they could have done. You know, like it's great to have a dance number with Neil Patrick Harris. He's like, he's insanely talented, and we all know that at this point. But it just, it felt like. I don't know. It, it could have been more focused on television. Like, the dance numbers for all the different TV shows, like, that's kind of cool. But it has nothing to do with television. 
it, it, it just felt like it didn't belong in the broadcast to me. It wasn't necessarily like bad or stupid. Like Elton John's great. I'll listen to Elton John sing anytime. But it's like, is this the is this the place for it? Does this make any sense about? Yeah, it's it's not a cohesive. This is about TV, and sure, there's there's choreography on TV, but it just it didn't it didn't gel. It didn't make sense to me. It's like it's like when the Oscars like when they're like today we're gonna honor Broadway. <laughs> it, it just like felt like why are we why are we spending time doing this? We could be spending time doing other more televisiony things. I will say that I I did like the In Memoriams a lot. Again, I heard that Jack Clubman got bumped for Corey Monteith. And you know what? I don't think Corey Monteith doesn't deserve one. I think he deserves one. But at the same token, I think everyone probably deserves one, which is the problem with having the specialized things. It's like, these are like the super heavy hitters that have died this year. And the rest. Yeah. Which, and again, all I thought they were all moving, including the Corey Monteith one from Jane Lynch. They were all like really well done and great. The only don't. The only thing that makes that problematic for me is, well, what about the, you know, the other people that died this year who were really important? What about Roger Eber? What about Jack Klugman? It's like, well, these people, they were like really important. Don't get us wrong. But we're going to give them their five seconds with their photo and everyone else, you know, the more important people will have someone come up on stage and say a few words. So I found that kind of like problematic because like on one hand, I thought like, wow, these were really moving and they were great speeches and, and Edie Falco's you know, little speech about uh, James Gandolfini was incredibly moving. And it was seeing just everybody cry on stage. But on the other hand, I felt bad for the other people who, you know, were going to get honored that year and in memoriam and kind of, they had like a lesser role, you know? Yeah, but I think there are always going to be heavy hitters and less heavy hitters in the in memoriam. That didn't really bother me. My thing is, I, I think I say this pretty much every time we do an award show, uh, every time we have an award show, rather, we don't do any yet, but, um, I just, that's a hundred episodes. Yeah. That's a hundred episodes. That's not going to be like, we're going to hand out awards or are we just going to like give awards to our own podcast for excellence. And are we well, going to host the podcast here? One of which will be to our own podcast. Yay. Um, but anyway, I think they should cut a lot of the ancillary stuff and just bring back the clips. They did them in a very few nominees last night, but I just want to like, the, thing, the way that I think you can most honor TV is to show the TV you're honoring that night. Like, you want to talk to me about the best actor, actress in a drama comedy? Show me part of their performance. I, I know that you can't put it all in context, um, but show me a clip. I love watching clips of shows I like to watch. That's one of the things I used to love about award shows that has been less and less in uh, recent years. Or how about this? Show a clip of the people who died. Yeah. You know, if they're actors or, you know... Whatever, director, something. An interview clip, anything. Show a clip of them on television. This is the Emmys. Like, if they were not on television, they're the behind-the-scenes people, that's fine. But otherwise, show a clip of them on television. I think that would improve the show. Um, and I think it would bring it back toward being focused on television, which I'll agree. Like, I, I like the telecast fine, but I'll agree that it should have been more focused on television. The thing is, ultimately, it's, you know, the Emmys is a TV show that has to draw ratings. And I think they're more interested in putting on a show than, you know, what the, you know, the subtitle of the awards is. It's like honoring the best in television. It's like, well, we're going to have some singing and dancing and we're going to put on a show. And that's great. It's just like, I wish it would keep more with, you know, I wish it would still pretend that it was a little bit more about TV than it seemed to be. It was a lot about like (laughs) the Beatles. And it, it just... It, it confounded me when when they brought up like the Beatles. I'm like, 
this isn't even bear. This is like a threadbare. It's like the Beatles were on TV. Yeah. Miami's on our TV. Well, and then the to just like, uh, you know, have, I could say a lot of really offensive things right now that I'm going to avoid saying, but to put Carrie Underwood out there to give her like completely lukewarm version of yesterday that was <laughs> like murder to my ears. Like you're not honoring the Beatles. You are like urinating on their grave. <laughs> Like, you might as well have gone over to, to <laughs> Strawberry Fields and, like, just set the, you know, that area on fire. Or gone, go find George Harrison's corpse and just, like, dig it up and, like, knock it around for a while. <laughs> no, I, I have avoided so wait, saying it. what was the it. offensive I'm thing done. that you weren't going to say? Um, but, I, yeah, I, I cut myself off from a few different things that I was going to say that would have probably have impugned uh, various things about the telecast and or Carrie Underwood. Um, but... I thought, like, I was, you were not honoring the Beatles by having Carrie Underwood sing yesterday. Like, you can claim you were, but really all you were getting there was a ratings gambit for the, what, how many Carrie Underwood fans are there? There gotta be some, right? I don't there know many, lot, but actually. I imagine they're out there. Well, the, the thing is, I think there are a ton of Carrie Underwood And then, fans. like, it makes sense to have her on the telecast, but why did she have to sing the Beatles? Wait, 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 wait. Someone from American Idol made it. Yeah, she got into country, and you know, you do country, you do well. That's what it seems wow. to me, anyway. You do country, you it's do well. It's shocking to me. There's a whole other world out there, boys. That, uh, shockingly enough, no, not not the country, not the country part of it. <laughs> American Idol. Somebody got. Somebody out. got Kelly, out. Kelly Clarkson did. She's doing okay. Oh, she doesn't count. <laughs> she was the first American Idol winner. If there was ever an American Idol, exactly. Winner, That's why she doesn't count. Are they? Have they done a best of Idol American Idol season and got all the idols to come back? No, I don't think it would really work out that well because I think they all kind of want to do their. Own. They don't have contact info for most of them. They're not. They're, well, Clay Aiken didn't actually win, so I can't make a Clay Aiken joke right there. Never mind. Yeah, he did better than the winner that year, Ruben yeah. Standard. So, and yet still yeah. has faded into uh, complete irrelevance. Actually, fun fact, if you spend more than a solid minute talking about Ruben Studdard, he appears. We better stop really? talking yeah. about him right now. So. <laughs> yeah. We, we want any number of guests on our podcast, but uh, Ruben Studdard is not one of them. We could get him to sing yesterday. He'd actually probably be better, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be better than Kerry <laughs> um, Underwood. Do you want to move on to the um, awards? Okay, we should. Yeah, we should actually talk about the awards now. Chris, I want to turn to you. What did you think of the awards in general and any specifics you wanted to bring up right here at the outset? Um, I wasn't really outraged as much as I am in usual years. Uh, I thought for a decent number of the awards, I was pretty happy with um, who took home some big wins. I mean, of course, there were always some choices I didn't agree with. I think that's going to happen every year. But um, and maybe it's partially a um, uh, result of having such stacked categories in certain instances. But like a lot of um, I, I was found myself pretty much agreeing for a lot of the uh, the winners and choices that were made. And in some instances, even when a person I wanted to win didn't win, somebody else who I thought was equally deserving took home an award. And there was really nothing I could do to complain about that. So in, in general, for the most part, I will say I'm pretty pleased with what with the results from last night. Well, however, when this podcast airs. <laughs> it wasn't last night when we were recording this podcast either. I yeah, I know. But you Chris didn't have to say it. Time. No one would have known. <laughs> yeah, but I had to at that point. Chris, you've become unstuck in time and you just like 
you show up on the podcast from various points in your timeline to uh, relay your thoughts on pop culture. You're actually talking about enemies that happens five years from now, right? I could spoil the shit out of you guys right now. <laughs> um, all right, so mostly positive thoughts from Chris. Sam, what, what were your thoughts on the awards? Um, I feel like I was probably more angry than I should have been because I'm just angry every single year about watching the Emmys. <laughs> I mean, I was texting you during the Emmys because I just got so pissed off. But I think part of it is like, it's not that like maybe undeserving people won. It's just like my guys like didn't win a ton of stuff. But my guys, you know, some of them, you know, some of the ones I was really rooting for did win. I mean, Breaking Bad won for Best Drama and Anna Gunn won for uh, Best Supporting Actress. Or was it Best Actress? Okay, Supporting. Uh, supporting Actress. And I was really happy that both of those won. I was really, really happy. But, you know, on the other token, I was really upset that Louis C.K. got shut out of everything. And I think people thought he was going to have a big night. Um, he didn't win anything. Um, com- I think comedy really hurt me this year. Um, I was happy that Tony Hale won. You can pretend, I guess, it's for Arrested Development, even though I think his, his role on Veep is kind of, like, similar um, to his to his character on Arrested Development. I was happy he won. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, they did a fun bit together when she won. And that's all fine. I like, you yeah, know, was, I like and I watch Veep. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Parks and Rec will never win an Emmy. Um, John Hamm will never win an Emmy. Uh, it's, you know, Louis C.K. is not going to win a Best Actor Emmy. It's, or <laughs> apparently any other Emmy for Louis. I think he's won, I think he's won Emmys for other stuff. Um, he's won Emmys for Louis as well. He won, he won for writing and was directing. Was director? Right? Writing and directing. Which is like two big wins, so, you I know, think. He's, he's got, he got, he's got his Emmys. So, I mean, I can't be too upset about Louis. The, just the big one that upset me was Jeff Daniels for the newsroom because the newsroom is not a good show at all. And, I think, uh, and he beat he beat Cranston and Ham, and it was just like we were talking oof. on the on the uh, live blog. I think if I were to rank that category, he might have. He in fact probably would have come in last of my like if I were ranking you know people you know, like people I thought de- deserved to win on down. I think he would have been last. Um, but you can't win them all, right? <laughs> I was really surprised uh, no. Kevin Spacey didn't take that category. I think a lot of people had him. Yeah. Not because I thought he should have taken the category. It just seems in line with the way the Emmys make their decisions. Well, they went with a different, you know, movie yeah. actor slumming it. But, I mean, like, he's been slumming um, it for a while, so. You want to encourage <laughs> Kevin Spacey to come back. Well, Kevin Spacey's got... Oh, Spacey's Spacey's, Spacey's got back. a second season, it's right? A, I think. It's been a while since American Beauty. He's coming back. <laughs> You can't keep spacing in a corner. <laughs> no, we once me. tried for three days. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, I was really sad that like this was Jonathan Banks. You know, this was his chance to win an Emmy, and he didn't win. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I mean, I think I was just like I was upset when when I didn't get my way. <laughs> but um, you know, that's the Emmys. They're never gonna agree with me totally, and they're gonna give Jim Parsons Emmys until the end of fucking time. And and part what was kind of what kind of made me a little bit less angry is that um, Breaking Bad's going to have another year next year. I keep forgetting that you know even though it's ending this year, it's still going to be eligible. Yeah. I think next year, right? So you know, Anna Gunn, I think should pick up another one. I think Brian Cranston should pick up another one. I think Bob Odenkirk should get nominated at least. Um, you know, there's always next year. Aaron Paul. Everybody, I just watched the Conan episode where he had the entire cast of Breaking Bad. And when you see the whole cast sitting there, Dean Norris should get a nomination and 
he should probably win. When you see the whole cast scene there, it's like, wow. They're like wall-to-wall, really, really good all over yeah. the cast. Um, and, you know, so is Mad Men. That's another thing that kind of got me angry is that Elizabeth Moss didn't win anything. And I feel like she, she was great in Top of the Lake and she was great in Mad Men. Yeah, She's, I feel like there's a version of reality out there that I'm happier in, in which Elizabeth Moss won two Emmys this year. For two right. different roles, which is pretty badass. Um, but it was not to be. Somebody beat her. And I'm sure, I think, uh, uh, what's her face from Homeland won Claire Best Danes, Actress yeah. again? Claire Danes. And, you know, the problem with, I think, you know, I feel like Homeland stole a bunch of uh, uh, Emmys because their submission episode was so good with Q&A. And that was like, wow, that was an amazing episode of TV. But the season was kind of shitty. And it kind of made me think about how, like, the Emmy voting process works is that there's, like, a submitted uh, a submitted Emmy uh, Emmy episode. And instead of, like, you know, you can't judge it on, like, the season, you just have to pick, like, a super-duper episode that you think exemplifies the work. But but TV's a long game. It shouldn't work like yeah. that, right? I agree, but I guess you can't expect Emmy voters to watch, like, 60 different episodes for any given category. I think they should be. Yeah, why not? We do. Valid point. I guess that's true. If Well, I, I say, like, if if I had... You know, they can have the the voting process for nominations, but like, I mean, I guess you can't do it if you're doing, you can't do like the entire television field, but maybe like once you get the nominees down, why can't, I can watch an episode, I can watch the entire season of Bardwark Empire before the Emmys. I can watch, you know, I can watch all of these shows, I think, if it was, if I was an Emmy voter. Yeah, and oh, if you're an, if you're an Emmy voter, like if in your, you're in a position where you're judging the best of TV, shouldn't you already be watching a lot of these things to begin with? Like, shouldn't you already be like, shouldn't loving TV be uh, part of like being? Well, well, I think well, part of the problem is you can't expect people to just like watch everything. I think that's like an impossible standard. But I think it is possible that like, you know, maybe it should be more than one episode, and if you can watch a whole season of somebody, I feel like you should be required to see everybody's work. Because I think that that happens like in Oscar voting, nobody. You know, people just put down the shit they like that they saw, and if they didn't see a movie, well, they're not going to vote for it. And so, does that mean that the movie you just randomly voted for is better? Of course not, because you don't know; you haven't seen the other one. And that's that's the inherent flaw and in the conversation we have every year. Yeah, I mean, the awards are not <laughs> with perfect. awards voting. Um, my understanding of how the actual like best series works is that they have rotations where like certain voters will see get a given two episodes. So I think that all episodes of the season are screened for. Uh, the series nominations. <laughs> but, but different episodes? Yeah, so like like a group of people will see two episodes and another group of people will see two episodes or something like that. I don't know. It's all very mysterious to me. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense to me because if I watched two ep- if I watched the season premiere of Homeland and like Q&A You would have been like, this is the greatest show ever. I'd be like, wow, this is the best show ever. And if you watch like middle episodes or the end of Homeland where it's like, we're running away together, I'd be like, yeah. fuck this show. And also if you watch like what do you, they give them two random episodes I don't know. or something? And if you have no context, it's like, so who is this Walter White person? I gather he's. <laughs> I gather bad. he is broken bad. I'm intrigued to see how that happens. Um, I think it's it's a strange process, but it's the process we have. Um, I actually I expected uh, Homeland would win again uh, the other night simply because. If you watch, like, any random two episodes from season two, there's a chance you're going to get two really good ones because there were really good ones. Um, 
And if you watched all of it, you realize, eh, it wasn't a great season of television. Um, but the system is what the system is. And until we uh, are called in to fix the Emmys, which I'm sure will happen any year now, it's going to be that way. I, I would say, you know, I'm sure, like you, Sam, I'm a bit of a petulant child when it comes to winners. But this year, I, I was happier a lot more than I usually am. Um, and I was less upset than I usually am, even when I wasn't happy. I think, Chris, I think what you said hits the nail on the head for me, which is, like, there was just so many good nominees in so many categories that, like, even when the person I didn't want to want to win won, I was like, yeah, well, like, they probably deserve an Emmy. Yeah. I agree. So, Emmys. Any last thoughts on this before we move on and talk about something we always love to talk about on the podcast, How I Met Your Mother? Let's do Himium, which racked up yeah. all the Emmys. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe how many Emmys Himium won last night. And by last night, I, of course, still mean two nights ago. Did oh, yeah. Sam also get yeah. unstuck in time? <laughs> You're all unstuck in time. Oh, that no. would be a pretty cool premise for a podcast, guys. We were all podcasting from various t- uh, moments oh, in our time stream. God. Can we please talk about how horrible how I met your mother was? <laughs> we can. Chris, I'm going to throw the floor to you first because you are the only person who's still surviving as, a, as our How I Met Your Mother reviewer on the site. Uh, yeah. Okay. So long-time listeners of this podcast know that we're not huge fans of the direction that the show has taken. <laughs> that's... That's that's putting it as strongly as I possibly can, right? Like that's like that's it still has time to fix itself. I can. Uh, no, no, there's no there's no writing the ship. It's it's over. It's done, and all that's left is to just kind of keep your eyes glued to this train work, a clockwork orange style, and see just how bad it can get before the end. Um. So I I really think that the key to watching uh how I met your mother at this point in the game is to just try and find the little moments you can enjoy. Because there are so many fundamental flaws within the direction the show has taken that it's just never it, it's just gonna be painful to watch any other any other way you do it because I the the main problems still remain. It looks like um, you've got this situation where you're taking a story that you th- couldn't thought you didn't think could possibly be decompressed any more than it already is, and you're taking your last season, 24 episodes, and you're having a 72-hour span of real time told over 24 episodes of this show. So um, that means that roughly each uh, day is going to cover be covered by about eight episodes. And you're going to have Marshall separated from the, the cast for at right? least that first eight, if not more. Was that done because... Um... Me too. Yeah. Right, because Jason Siegel was like being in movies yeah. and stuff and being checked out. But it dri- <laughs> so so driving from Minnesota to New York is about is that's about like a twenty hour drive. Assuming that they just drive, <laughs> he'll be he'll be back for this season. Assuming finale. assuming they just drive straight, and his plot line for every episode between when he gets there and there is just him in the car. It's still going to be eight episodes before he actually joins the cast. And you're telling me that they're not going to, like, do stuff with him stopping along the way, having a typical sitcom misadventures on the road trip. It, it's you're, it's going to be a long time before Marshall gets there. The end of the show is going to be so ridiculously decompressed. And I thought that last night we were already starting to see where 
the pacing problem is going to become an absolute nightmare, even like three or four episodes in. Um, that said, the big, big problems of the show aside, I thought there were little things to like about last night's episode. Um, I liked... Uh, I, I like the stuff with Robin and Barney in the first episode that made me chuckle a couple times. Um, and uh, I, I liked some of the stuff with Barney and his brother in the second episode. I think that's about the extent of what covers what I really liked about last night's episodes, though. Um, everything else really falls flat for me, specifically the introduction of the mother and her first meeting with Lily, because it really felt like they were just shoving this character in your face. Just like... like um, the showrunners just on either side of her, just like waving their hands, yep. being like, "Here she is, guys, and she's perfect for Ted. Aren't you excited now?" Uh, uh, uh. And it was almost obnoxious after a little while. Um, but that's about the extent of my initial thoughts. What do you guys think of the episode? Um, well, I agree with you about all of like the. I don't like the pacing, and I don't like how. They decided to uh, to you know put it through this whole weekend um, type deal. The but what I do like is that I do like that we're actually spending time with the mother, and I know like I think it worked better in the second episode than in the first half of last night, where she's like meeting on a train. Um, but I like <laughs> the idea that we have like Ted and the mother together, and that we're seeing them like have a relationship. Because I think if they decided to just, like, you know, wait, like, have the mother maybe, like, dance around with other members of the cast before, like, and then at the, like, the last second of the last episode, it's like, and now you're together. And we never, like, see them together as a couple and see how that works. I think that would be really, really bad. So I kind of like the idea that we're going to get to know the mother this season through either flashbacks or flat, I guess, I guess we're not really going to have flashbacks, but I guess the the... The flashbacks will be uh, her meeting the other, the other friends. But the flash—I like the idea of the flash forwards with her and Ted together, um, because if we don't get to know this character at all, then it'll be just a real complete waste. And that—that that was like my biggest fear is that like they're gonna just have this, you know, they hire this actress to come on and she'll just kind of just be a, you know, an empty character on the <laughs> stage at the, at the end of the series. Um, I don't like separating Marshall from the the group i know that's scheduling i still don't like it for the show i don't think it the marshall's travel problems his planes trains and automobiles uh doesn't work so well for me um lily's alcoholism was mildly amusing i like i like the name linus (laughs) i'm gonna say that i like that was a good choice of name um, I actually the, the things that I didn't like the most was in the first episode when Barney and Robin thought that they might be cousins. It was just like, kill me, just kill me with these two. The Barney and Robin like relationship is is like slow burning torture. Um, I don't slow burning. <laughs> That's it's true. Slow burning torture. It's like it builds and builds. It's like a slow burn, like a season of Mad Men, and then at the end. I get lit completely on fire, like the end of another season of Mad Men. Um, but I, I don't think like their cousin thing is like, well, what if they were like fifth cousins? I don't care. That's so. That's like such a stupid fake problem. And then they're like, oh, we're not. Well, I'm so glad we're not because you're the love of my life, and we can get married now. And it's it was incredibly dumb. Um, 
and not particularly funny. And in the second episode, I think it was about Barney's brother getting divorced and there was all this commotion like, oh no, Barney's not going to want to marry me now because his brother's getting divorced. And then Barney's like, I'm fine with it. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess we're still getting married. Is this what every single fucking episode is going to be for the next 22 episodes? It's going to be like, oh, I don't know. Barney is going to like see a woman from across the room and he's going to go, I don't know if I can get married now. And I think part of that is because we know who Barney is as a character. He's a person who should never, ever, ever, ever get married. Um, And that their relationship doesn't make a ton of sense. So there's like always this like, you know, there's always this shadow cast over the relationship where it's like, why can't they just be in love with each other and like be confident that they're marrying each other? That's I think it's a problem that I've had with the last several seasons of How I Met Your Mother is that like the show seems to flirt constantly with its worst aspects. Like, oh, Barney and Robin doesn't really work. We'll make like every episode about Barney and Robin not working. Um, Ted and Robin annoys everyone because it's like, I can't possibly think the show will have a happy ending now because Ted's so clearly in love with Robin. Oh, every <laughs> arc will be about how Ted's in love with Robin. Like, that like the show is just constantly embracing the things that it's the worst at uh, for the last several years. And I think last night it continued to do that. Yeah, I mean, you've already know that a big part of it this season is going to be like Ted now has the locket and when is he going to use it is now just the question that is going to be haunting every episode going forward. So obviously that that plot line is not done at all, even though, and they keep um, coming back to this idea of like, oh, Ted's finally found closure and moved on. No, he hasn't. And uh, just bringing it right back to the forefront. So now you know he has a lot, the locket. At some point he's going to have to use the locket. The question is going to be, when is this going to come into play? And is it like the sooner, the longer they hold on to it, the more that problem of, well, Ted's just really in love with Robin and anybody else is a consolation prize is going to be a serious issue that's going to kind of haunt the last season of the show. I pretended that every time you said Lockett, you were saying Ryson, and we were actually talking about Breaking Bad, and for a little while, this conversation interested me. (laughs) Something that also really annoyed me about the episode is how at the end of the second episode, Ted makes, like, the 800th promise to himself about, like, his relationships. I mean, I think he's been doing this since, like, maybe the first season of the show. He's like, as God is my witness... I'm going to find the one this year, you guys. Or, like, I'm going to, like, live my own life. Like, he makes these stupid promises. There could also be a spinoff of the show called, like, How I Fulfilled All of These Stupid Promises I Made to Myself Over the Course of the Series with Your Mother. Where it's just like, remember that time I promised that I would take uh, my future wife to this restaurant? Here you go, honey. Also, what, like... I mean, this has always been, like, kind of creepy, the whole series, but it, like, felt extra creepy now that we have the mother in there, is that, like, how could, how could, how could Ted and his wife and Barney and Robin hang out around, like, Ted's kids? It's like, kids, you see Robin over there? You're dead. (laughs) A lot. And Barney's like, yep, he sure did. And we talked about it. A lot. A lot. And then I started fucking her a lot. And then we broke up for a while because it was really stupid and our relationship is horrible. But then we got back together. But there were a lot of problems before the wedding because we should not be together. Anyway, kids, have a nice day at school. And then they all sit around doing heroin. Yeah. (laughs) Because the show ends with everyone being a heroin addict. But the kids are actually fairly well adjusted considering that fact. It's just so weird. It's really weird. I also feel like that the show just didn't really think through the um, 
the ramifications of the real-time wedding idea. For example, having Lily drink like 30 drinks and it's like, okay, so is so is Alfie <laughs> going to play drunk for like the rest of the season? No, this they they cut it. Remember Ted cut her off in the episode. He, yeah, he cut her off. First of all, he cut her off after she's had like an unfathomable amount of liquor. Like she would be dead. <laughs> Lily's an alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, she could do but, it. But second of all, like I didn't think the cutoff was supposed to be effective. But third of all, even if it was, she should still be drunk for like four episodes now. <laughs> but wait, like wait, 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 wait. The like, showrunners of How I Met Your Mother didn't think something through. Yeah. <laughs> what is this crazy talk? Uh, no, you're you're I mean, you're right on. I mean, the, you're gonna get scenes increasingly that just sell just how much of a pacing problem this is gonna be. I mean, like, think about how much time was devoted in that second episode to this idea of like Ted and Lily are still waiting to check in. They haven't gotten their room keys yet. They're still trying to get their room keys. Next episode, they're gonna have problems with their locks and have to get new room keys. And that'll be a significant subplot. Yeah, I think, um, again, Chris, in your review, I think you you said something uh, exactly, which is like, the pacing didn't necessarily kill either of these two episodes, but it did hearken to the idea that we are probably going to have huge pacing problems for a large portion of the season. Yeah. Also, my, like, my sense of time as a viewer is going to be, like, fucked up by, like, the middle of the season. I won't know what day we're on. I mean, I guess they put the day at the beginning of the episode, which is very Yeah, helpful. and you figure um, Breaking Bad but it's has still totally weird. different sense of time. Again, I just keep going back to Breaking Bad. I just wish the show was Breaking Bad. Well, you know, Breaking Bad, Bad but, you know, you know, the thing is with Breaking Bad is, like, it... I know, like, the Breaking Bad has its own timeline within the show, but it, it, it feels like year... It feels like five, six years to me. Even though it's supposed to be, like, oh, yeah, it's only been, like, two years. That's not something I, that's like, it's also not something that's like pivotal to the plot of the show. Like this is going to be to the that's true series finale. Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, the structure of this final season will, from, from what I've seen so far, prove to be a mistake. Although the show at its best was good at playing around with time and who knows, maybe they'll have some episodes that are really good at playing around with time and using this to their advantage. I'm sure they can always sneak in a few flashback episodes in there um they've always been really good about doing that but i mean it's not really it's gonna just be more of the same kind of like stall problems that we always talk about yeah i think ultimately um there may be like they have to Baze and thomas had to have had some good ideas about how to use the structure of the season otherwise why would they have done this right well i again i just kind of get the impression that it's it's they they take the title of the show very, very, very literally in that the show has to be about meeting the mother. Not getting to know the mother, but meeting the mother. So anything um, other than that is like outside the bounds of the show. Because that's the only explanation I can come up with. I did like I did like the flash forward that allowed us to see Ted and the mother together, and I hope they do that a lot. Although I have to ask um, I didn't find that they had an overwhelming amount of chemistry, did you? No, I don't either, but I think that's more of a product of, like, this, we have to have either no me no contact between them, or, like, contact between them when they're super into the relationship part of it. It's, it's, it's this whole idea of the, the, of, um, Baze and Carter telling us that, oh, they're a great couple, rather than just, like, letting them have a couple nice scenes together to really kind of, like, let that chemistry go- grow, to really show us why the relationship works in the same way that they did for Robin or Stella. 
Yeah, I I think that's right. Um, it's it's gonna be weird. I I think Kristen Milioti's actually like she's doing a pretty decent job in the role, but I think a she's been given an impossible role to play, and b the way that it's been structured is like makes it even harder. Yeah. Um, like having her play the character for the first time, for the first, really for the first time in two different timelines at the same time is tough. Um, the way they use Bob Saget to keep. Uh, harping on how impressive she is as opposed to showing us ourselves like themselves like if they just had her be awesome instead of bob saget piping in all the time to be like oh and she's awesome yeah that would be better i think it would be much better it wouldn't be as uh feel as desperate to me yeah exactly i you said earlier you know they're like waving their hands and saying like you gotta love this woman um and it does it feels a little desperate and that's not again that's not miliati's fault i think she's doing fine in the role so far but it is a problem yeah um, what are, what are things you hope this season will get? I mean, obviously you hope every, the season will get everything right, but based on last night, were your hopes raised in any particular respects? Um, not really. I mean, I, 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 I disagree with Sam about the, the cousin plot. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like a dumb sitcom trope, but for me, the little moments where the cast is kind of like, just like riffing on each other and doing stuff that's exactly like what was going on with Robin and Barney in the back of that limo is really the only thing that keeps me watching this show. Just like that, that little back and forth, the continue back and forth about the ring bearer and whether or not that was just like a question of how Barney was pronouncing it, or if he really has a bear carrying the ring down the aisle. Like I, that's the kind of stuff that I liked about the show. And that's the only thing that's kind of carried over for me is still like the, the thing that reminds me of why I like the show to begin with and what keeps me watching. So I, I like the little stuff. As long as I keep doing the little character interactions well, it gives me just a little something to keep my spirits up as I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, there were there were definitely laughs in last night's episodes, I think. Yeah, um, I didn't think they were unfunny. Like, there were definitely moments where the characters, like, sounded like themselves and, you know, just kind of, like, riffed on with each other the way they always did. Though now that you say uh, sounded like themselves, I think you may have mentioned this in your review. Um, I definitely felt it last night. Lily felt like completely different than herself for most of the hour last night for reasons that perplex me. Yeah, Lily was a big issue for me because like she like I, I get that Ted was trying to force her out of the car, but she knows just what an emotional wreck Ted is right now. And Ted is one of her oldest friends in the world. And I think we had a couple episodes last season that talked about how like they're growing apart and now she's planning on moving to Italy. Like, why wouldn't she be there for her friend in his time of need? Like, no matter like how dumb and annoying he was being, for her to get out of the car and let him like drive to the wedding on his own just really seemed like an out of character moment for her. And also how dumb and annoying was Ted really being? Like yeah. he's done these things like every day she's ever hung out with him. Yeah. Like Ted's talking about stupid history. That's all Ted does. That's like Ted's thing. Yeah. It, it just really made Lily seem very callous and heartless and sort of like not really caring about anything except for like Marshall in her life. And that's, you know, it's, it's not who that character is. Until she started guzzling liquor last night, I assumed they were going to reveal that she was pregnant again because yeah. like that could explain her behaving so irrationally. Otherwise, she just seems like a crazy person. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we'll be having a fetal alcohol syndrome storyline. Although, maybe that would fill some time. Like the entire middle of the season, just a lot of very special episodes of How I Met Your Mother. It's just Lily realizing she's pregnant and like she's been drinking incredibly heavily. Although, like it would probably be pretty early in the pregnancy, right? She'd be yeah. fine. Also, Barney has AIDS. Yeah, that's going to come up as well. Yeah. And so, so does Robin, therefore. And no, 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 no. She does. doesn't. And the question is, does she stay? 
Ah, ooh, I like that. Yeah. Also, the ring bear bites Ted's arm off. Yep. <laughs> Thus initiating the darkest timeline. But he gets a, a cybernetic arm that is way better than his regular arm, and that's why in any flash forwards we've seen, Ted has two arms. Also, Marshall comes out just fine. Yeah. Marshall's just not there the whole time. Yeah. He's off making uh, movies. Yep. I wish that instead of this plotline, Marshall's plotline had been that he suddenly became very famous in Hollywood and was making a lot of movies <laughs> and didn't have time to hang out with them anymore. And, like, hadn't really wanted to be their friend anymore and thought the storyline kind of reached its conclusion, so he wasn't really into <laughs> until they offered him a giant pile of money, and then he was like, okay, I'll appear, but only if I can also make movies. Sounds, it sounds almost like some sort of meta-commentary. I don't know what you're talking about. I just think it's a good idea for a storyline. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, How about you? What are your hopes for the rest of the season? I hope that there's a lot of uh, fun, timey-wimey stuff. I feel like the show seems to have been set up this way to allow them to do a lot of callbacks, a lot of return guest stars, and to do, you know, to basically send off the show by reminding us of all the things we loved about it. And I think that's a great idea for a final season. I'm not sure I agree with the way they decided to structure this, but... I think in spirit, what they want to do is say, like, everyone, like, all the random characters from the show that we want to bring back can be at the wedding. No problem there. We can sort of call back to all of the things that we want to do, because these things are all going to come up at the wedding. And based on the weird timeline that we're putting in for the structure, we can play around with structure and play <coughs> around with storytelling a lot. Um, and so, I hope they use it to good ends, because I feel like I don't, I'm not too excited about this structure, but... I feel like it could be a good swan song for How I Met Your Mother and allow them to do some interesting things with the way they tell the story. I think it could, but I also think, yeah, it's going to be a tough tightrope to walk for them. Um, especially, I, I mean, I just can't, like, the thing I keep coming back to is just, like, how long they're going to keep Marshall separate. I mean, that's going to get really noticeable. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it was already really noticeable. Yeah. Like, it would have been fine for the first half hour. Yeah, but, but um, you got, yeah, think about this. This is going to go on for at least six more episodes. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to, right? Yep. Like, unless Marshall's, like, Humvee or whatever they're calling it has, like, magic teleportation powers. Yeah. Um, which would defeat the purpose of why we all assume they're doing the storyline. Also, does this mean that um, uh, Sherry Shepard has ostensibly joined the cast for the ninth season? I mean, it, in theory, it means she's going to be in here for a while. Although, yeah. I guess it's also possible that, like, Marshall, she gets, she kicks up Marshall out of the car next week, and then he, you know, hitchhikes with John Lithgow for a while, and then... Right, I could see that. John Lithgow's actually been on the show, I just realized, so nope, that wouldn't work. Oh, he's trying to make it to Barney's wedding. That could work. But why is he in Minnesota? Um, unclear. Magic show. <laughs> okay. All right, I buy it. And then, and then he hitchhikes with Zach Braff for a while, um, and then they can make jokes about Stella and, and Zach Braff, and that would be fun. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a, it's a guest star of the week that Marshall's hitchhiking with, with his son. And, you know, eventually we get to, like, the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes. Uh, the episode where Marshall hitchhikes with the Harlem Globetrotters is probably going to be classic. Yeah. That's also, during that time, Ted does laundry in the hotel laundry room. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be a fun season, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, so you gave the episodes last night like uh, a B minus, right? Yeah. You, I, I was lower than that. I probably would have been in the C, C minus range. 
I was like, as much as I laughed occasionally, I was pretty angry through a lot of it. Um, and I imagine that's going to be the feeling that I have every week. I, I feel like I, I realize that I may have been grading a little high, but like I tend to do that with later episodes of the show because one, my expectations have been drastically lowered and two, I, I think those lower grades are coming. Like, I think this is going to look great in comparison to some of the stuff I get to. Like, I hope to be proved wrong by that, but I think that this might be a high point looking back when we get into the midsection of this weird time um, construction that they're playing with. Well, and your ability to uh, to look at the bright side and say, like, there were good things in this episode and um, this is, like, a fine late latter-day episode is probably why you were surviving as the the one of uh, us who writes about the show where Sam and I were defeated and ran the other direction. Oh, well, I've only had really one season under my belt so far, so just wait for it. Yeah, I made it, I believe, I'd have to check, but I believe I wrote about three seasons of the show before I abandoned ship. Uh, I definitely wrote about at least two. And by the time you finish writing about your second, it'll blessedly be over. Ah, hooray. And you can end your final review, and that's what happens when you're breaking bad. <laughs> and that's what Wait, happens what when you're breaking about? your mother. <laughs> How I Broke Your Mother. <laughs> the much darker spin-off. <laughs> Ted in a pork pie hat <laughs> with a machine gun and a rice and capsule. You will answer to the name Robin. Marshall has been recast, but it's Bob Odenkirk, so we're all kind of okay with it. <laughs> Even though Bob Odenkirk has also been on this show. Ironically enough, Jason Siegel wants back in this show. Yeah, Jason Siegel really wants to be on How I Broke Your Mother, so he plays the mother. Yeah. He was that desperate. Um, I, I just want to end this, and I'm sad that he's no longer with us. I want to end our discussion of How I Met Your Mother with the comment that... Uh, uh, Sam's theory that How I Met Your Mother is a secret spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, continues to gain traction last night with another, albeit brief, appearance by uh, Dark Willow. Um, I read that in your review, and I don't recall what you're talking about, so enlighten me. Uh, on the train when the mother ran out of cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. I was so annoyed by that by, uh, by that point that I uh, missed it. Yeah. Um, Though I like that you said Sam's no longer with us. Not as if he left the podcast because he had to run to work. Jordan. But as if he died. Jordan. He's no longer with us. <laughs> Should we rename it the uh, Sam Lindauer uh, Award for Best Performance in the Week? No. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you agree. We're just going to keep it at the Rachel Charter Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. Which I guess we should probably move to now, shouldn't we? Sure. Um, so, once again, how I met your mother. We don't really like it. Chris... Chris is surviving with it. He'll be covering it every week um, for the site, so you can read his reviews at reviewname.com. And I imagine we will periodically check in, <coughs> as this is the last season, and I'm sure I will have opinions or at least angry sounds to make. Um, with that, yeah, why don't we move into the Rachel Tardiff Memorial Award for Best Performance in the Week. As always, this has uh, been a really difficult process. You know, it's been really close. But this week, we talked, we talked about two things. Both of them heavily involved this person, and I feel like he deserves more trophies. So, the Rich Charge Memorial Award for Best Performance of the Week goes to Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, not Carrie Underwood? Okay, that's it. All right. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that MPH did uh, quite a good job hosting the Emmys. You know, like, as I said before, if you're not bombing, then you're doing a pretty good job of hosting because it really is a tough job. 
especially when you have um, the like so many different um, concerns to appease going into a show. Like I'm sure like some of the bits he wanted to do were probably, you know, worked over with a hatchet before he actually got on air. So I never really fault anybody for not blowing me away by hosting. It's always a question of, did they bomb? No. Was I entertained most of the time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. Um, yeah. And some of my better moments of last night's How Much Your Mother came from Neil Patrick Harris. I think that one thing they did a good job of last night was allowing him to have some very Barney moments which is something that they've had trouble with ever since he's, you know, he's had to like calm down that he's in like a committed relationship. So I think like him doing a big display surprises brother on his anniversary or, you know, trying to, um, uh, ha- like whether or not he actually has a ring bear on hand. Like those are all like, yeah, I agree. And I also think, I think we've been missing um, for a little while. it's important to point out that like, in these last several seasons of High Master Mother, he has continued to do very well, very good work with some really questionable material. And like, I mean, this is, this is true to some extent of the entire cast, but Patrick Harris has had to do sort of topsy turvies a lot of times, um, just to make his material work. And he, yeah, especially, and it's especially challenging when you've had his character like virtually neutered for like the past season. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been forced to basically, he's been forced to create a character arc entirely out of his performance because I don't think the writer believable job of giving Barney this evolution um, so I think like yeah. it, as effective as the addition of Barney has been, it comes down to, um, how effective Neil Patrick Harris has been as a performer. Yeah. So good on you, Neil Patrick Harris. And congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Um, and with that asked, <coughs> I have been Jordan and Chris, this is a creepy telepathic murder thought. It must be a soulmate thing. Oh.